0: Hey, what's going on there, Warrior Jeff here from WarriorLife.com and welcome to podcast episode number 468. Now, if you've spent any time at all investigating techniques for self-defense, like like really protecting yourself, whether you're online or offline, most likely you've come across a lot of confusing information. In fact, it's, it's kind of a puzzle for the everyday warrior out there just to try to decipher all of the conflicting information about what really works when it comes to protecting yourself from a violent attack when you're unarmed. Now, between traditional martial arts and mixed martial arts and military combatives, really there's no shortage of systems that are out there that are, that are all promising to turn you into a lean, mean fighting machine, right? So how do you determine which claims or promises are based on old myths or misconceptions about hand-to-hand combat or even the outright lies that a lot of instructors tell just to try to snag some new students? with their promises of a revolutionary new fighting breakthrough. Well, in this week's show, you're going to get a great contrast between how different categories of systems look at the goal of true self-defense so you can be sure that you are on the right path for calling yourself self-protected. Now, it's all coming right up, but first, don't forget to check out this week's cheat sheet covering all the main points from this episode. It's waiting for you right now absolutely free in a special section of our website that we call the loot locker so you can grab this as well as our other episode cheat sheets and some other training manuals and some other goodies that are waiting for you in there right now all you have to do is go to warriorlife.com loot and it's yours for the taking and now let's talk tactics
1: tactical firearms training urban survival close quarters combat
0: Welcome to the show that helps you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is the Warrior Life Podcast. So the the tenets that we've anchored into our philosophy of living a warrior's lifestyle is our need to unplug from a system that programs dependency into our society and instead Take responsibility in being your own resource for what whatever it takes to survive. Right. So specifically, your need to be self-made, self-reliant, and self-protected. Those are those are basically the tenets that we go by here. Now, defining what it takes to accomplish any of these factors is obviously that that's a heavy lift, right? Because different people have different definitions of of what each of these means or what it takes to really just kind of check that box and. So you feel confident that you're going to be warrior ready when you're faced with any kind of a threat and this is especially challenging i think when it comes to the self-protection part of it largely because there are so many layers of what it takes to stay safe out there these days i mean everything that we see and and it's even more confusing i think with knowing what exactly to do to keep yourself and your family safe i mean I know we talk a lot about firearms for personal protection on our show, and we talk a lot about it in our training. We give lots of training there. But I think even more important is how you approach your ability to face a threat when you're unarmed against an attacker. And I know this really trips up a lot of people out there, even those who consider themselves more experienced in even in unarmed combatives. And sometimes really, whether they know it or not, I think it really trips them up. So I think a lot of things, there's just this overconfidence out there. So this week, I thought what we would do is clear up the confusion and make sure that you're setting up the right foundation for calling yourself self-protected and living that warrior lifestyle. And I have just the person here to help us navigate the uh, the myths, misconception, and sometimes the outright lies that people really fall for when it comes to unarmed self-defense. So hey there, Warrior, this is Jeff Anderson, Executive Director of WarriorLife.com and the Warrior Life Academy. And with me today to talk about those lies of self-defense and how to really put together your self-protection training program is somebody who has been on our show many, many times over and over the years. And he's a leading authority in the evolution and the practice of reality based street self defense, Damien Ross. So, Damien, welcome back to the program, man. Hey, man. Great to see you, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Really excited. Yeah, no, be. good to have you here. This was a, I think this is a really good topic. Um I've been getting a lot of people that have been giving us questions inside of our our War Life Academy about I get this a lot. I mean everybody gets like the like what's the best fighting system out there? What martial art would you take? Things like that. And whenever I get that question, it always just starts this rabbit hole in my in my mind about it's not as simple as here's the martial art or here's the self defense or here's the whatever. Right. Like it always to, for me it always brings up in my brain like all the things that people don't understand about it like how do you start framing it's almost like my brain first goes to how do we like empty the glass before i fill it right because i know what they want is they just want to be topped off right so but anyway so i'm really looking forward i think this is a this was a great topic that i I really thought you'd be perfect for so i want to bring you in here um listen everybody damon's been on our show several times and and with good reason i mean he's he has a background that runs a wide spectrum of the fighting arts, from his early like sports days as a star collegiate wrestler to black belt ranking in several traditional martial arts like judo and jiu-jitsu, as well as expertise in armed and unarmed lethal combative systems, like really steeply grounded in World War II trench fighting strategies, really just in um, working with the late and legendary Carl Sestari, just really what it takes when your life is really on the line and looking at things from a real realistic perspective. Um, I've been following Damien's work for years. I have his entire collection of DVDs taken up a, a whole shelf in my war room, and he continues to develop new training on his own, just really evolving in how he's helping others and what it, it takes to really stay safe in a more violent world. And he just keeps evolving, evolving with how does he deliver this information out there to the people that are trying to access this training. So I highly recommend you go check out Damien and, and his website and his training that he has available there. You can visit him online at streetdefensetraining.com. All right, so Damien, I, I know how you feel a lot, I mean, like me, uh, with a lot of these topics when it comes to the differences between... Martial arts and combative arts and mixed martial arts and self like reality based self defense. Right, like there's I know there's different terms that people give to things and I think it really is confusing out there. So you and I are about the same age I think and we've been studying traditional martial arts since we were a wee one. Um, So I know that you have this huge arc of of changes in how the public perceives this concept of self defense and uh, understandably as someone whose mission it is to really help people defend themselves in a real attack. I know it really irks you as much as it irks me of how many misconceptions there are out there. But I, I wanna get your take on this. So what what do you see as being the biggest problems with how this concept of, of self-defense, you know, in air quotes, has developed and and how it's caused so much confusion out there?
1: Well, as soon as you say self-defense, you you think martial arts, right? I mean, that is, you know, where you go, and that's the only place where you could actually see people addressing, you know, self defense. Uh, and then way back in the day, self defense, I mean, if we want to go way, way back, you know, it was judo and then karate and then taekwondo, and then you had all the, the strip dojo kind of martial arts come up. And, you know, really largely um, the skills that you were learning are basically untested it wasn't like you would you would hear stories but there was really no way for a practitioner to, to do like well would this really work right and then lo and behold the UFC comes along where you've got you've anyone if you haven't seen any like UFC one through five I highly recommend you go watch that shit it is Crazy. It's crazy because you had guys oh it's awesome. You had guys that would come in there, you know, with their traditional martial arts training and think that what they were gonna do was gonna, you know, devastate their attacker. Right? And they, you know, to their credit, you know, or their craziness, they went into that into that octagon, you know, I think you I think the only rule you couldn't do back then was bite. You know, or eye gouge. I mean, you could grab hair. You could, you know, guys were hitting the testicles. I mean, it was crazy. So they quickly went in, in there and realized that, well, ninety percent, ninety-nine percent of what they did worked, other than like a, a basic strike or a kick. And then you saw Gracie, who was grappling. You know, he's in a co- combat. He was in a combat sport. Dominated. Because and it's funny being a wrestler first, um, you know one of the things that sticks out of my head and I, you know obviously you know through my life you know I've gotten in altercations as a kid whatever and I always would wrestle, always would wrestle, and I never thought of wrestling as a martial art until, you know much later in life, you know and the realize the way the reason why wrestling, boxing. Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, Judo, you know, Muay Thai, and all these types of combat sports work over martial arts or traditional style martial arts is because people actually do them. Like, you actually choke somebody. You'll be in a situation where you'll actually strike somebody. And you'll be in a situation, you know, you can know if you knock somebody out. You'll be, you know, you'll, you can spar. You can compete. Right. And so after UFC, that became. You know the um benchmark of self defense, but truth is it's not self defense <laughs> it's combat sport um, which even as you know those early uFCs wasn't a lot of safety involved i mean technically sports are combat sports are designed for safety period they're designed to test your you know, abilities against another equal or somewhat equal, definitely size opponent. In most cases, skill. You know, you go into tournaments, you'll have, you know, you'll be broken out by rank. Um, under a set of rules, a predetermined set of rules. So you have, it's consensual. Okay. It's, it's, it's happening at a specific time. Right. There's no, um, you know what if factor in there, uh, and even though you are, um, you're adrenalized. You're not in fear for your life, even though sometimes you may think you are. Uh, but uh, so these, um, so the combat sports, though. Yeah, look, you could choke somebody out in the street. You could hit somebody with a right cross and knock them out. It happens all the time, a hundred percent. But when you reflect against what you really potentially face out there, and what you would actually need to do to avoid a conflict or just get away from somebody, it's totally different. I mean, this is like, you know, we'll get into, you know, we look at self-defense and like, you know, not defeating an opponent. In fact, defeating a target is like the hardest thing you can do. And for a lot of people, you just, you can avoid it altogether. You can escape. And then even if you're, you know it's and after you escape and you have access to to weapons
0: you can use those if you can't escape i think what you're what you're saying is like there's a lot of di- there's dynamics right so there's um it, it sounds with traditional martial arts the dynamics are pretty limited right like cuz it's a very controlled you know we talk about it as a relaxed atmosphere that you're training in there's just like it there's a program there UFC there's still there's more dynamics like you're still you're up against an unwilling combatant if you will right but it's it's still in a sports setting so there's still there's still guardrails there there's there's rules there's weight classes there's things that so the dynamics are a little bit more are, are a lot more actually a lot more risky than going down to the local mcdojo and and just taking some classes there um but even then it's not matching the dynamics of a real fight where the framework, the, you know, the framework's all fuzzy on that one is what I hear you saying. And, and even within traditional martial arts and how it trans not transforms, but like how it translates over into um, like the UFC. And then how that translates to street could be, you could be talking about the same thing, but it's something, it's something different, right? Like, I think, and you brought up a really good one, I think also, especially for you, because you started off as a wrestler, right? And, and Hoist Gracie dominated, like everybody was a stand-up brawler when they first got into the UFC. And then Hoist comes in and, and, you know, all of a sudden they're down on the ground and they're just tapping out. And, and so that's different even. So, Maybe use that as an example from what you've seen. Cause I, and the reason why I bring this up is because I think that from a reality standpoint, we often talk about um, most fights going to the ground, you know, something like that. You know, everybody says like 80%. I've heard ninety percent. You know, there's somebody out there counting all of this. I know there that, is.
1: I, I mean, there is no <laughs> study conducted that ever concluded. Any no, of that. they are
0: doing it. They're doing the study. <laughs> yes,
1: they say it. And I've looked, and if, you know, back when it first came out, they said like the LAPD conducted a study. There's no such study. Uh, their only study is the uniform uh, use of use of force report that will say, you know, weapon used. No weapon used, you know, and then, you know, and break down what kind of weapon. I mean, you're lucky to find caliber of weapon, right? So it's not like, you know, oh, yeah, the guy came in with a right cross. Right cross is the most common. I mean, that's like also, you know, the martial arts folklore that we like to get into because, you, you know, you repeat this stuff so many times, you know, you believe it. Yes, fights go to the ground. Sure. Um but then
0: a lot of them don't. <laughs> yeah, right. sure. But, I, but it's easy. It's easy. Also, I think because people, when they think about fighting, right? Like if they've not taken classes and things like that, they think. I mean, what are people going to do? It's, I mean, you see it all the time in just fights that are caught on camera. It's just haymaker, haymaker, haymaker. Like everybody's just trying to get in a lucky shot. They're just kind of throwing their arms around. But when it comes to when it gets really close, like if you're. You start getting in that in that super close bad breath zone. People don't know how to fight in close quarters, and so their instinct is just to grab on and start like wrestling around. I think that's why it ends up there.
1: Wrestling yeah. is a very natural thing for a human being to do. Uh, yeah. under especially under stress, under conflict, and especially if you don't know if you strike and you miss, and you know you're constantly moving in to one another. So yeah, you uh, you immediately get to that to that point.
0: So let's That's use not- that then as an example, because I think it's, it, it just gives us a good, a, good, um, a good anchor, I think, for showing people the difference in martial arts ground fighting, UFC ground fighting, street ground fighting, right? So right. can you talk a little bit about how you, how you see that this very critical, very possible, very realistic aspect of a real fight? might be addressed differently in, in these different, these different modalities.
1: Definitely. So first, like a martial art application to a ground fighting situation would be martial arts do specific defenses or specific defense counters. So they will be like, okay, the guy is, you know, straddling you. You're going to put your left leg over here. You're going to grab his arm here and you're going to push him over. And one move, he's going to be out of the way. Um, Sport like you know the problem with that is it's like that's just not how it works, right You don't have one you know people are going to react, people are going to be you know constantly moving and adjusting their weight on you. Uh, people are you know your attacker is not going to you know uh, allow you. they're going to feel a buck or resistance, and then they're going counter a, they're going to counter that with an adjustment um, and that's what happens in combat sport you know, like you're grappling, you're moving, you're subtly looking for openings and creating openings to, you know, apply an arm bar or choke or get a position of dominance to, if you're doing MMA, to get, you know, to attack. Um, What we do is we take whatever's closest to us to... First, we want to get off the ground as quickly as possible, right? So, you know, and if that means... And then we're going to use... Whatever gives us the greatest tactical advantage with, at the time. So whether that's you're hooking an eye, you're biting, you're you're using your feet, you're bucking, you're using a whole bunch of these, you know, similar kind of, you know, uh, similar movements to what you would do in like, combat sport, but with the just completely different intent. All right, you would not be in in jujitsu class and biting the inner thigh or the crotch of your. Uh, Partner, you would not be gouging them, you would not be, you know, you're not going to be doing that in MMA either, right? So, a lot of these things, when you do them, you know, it's like it elicits a response from your attacker and usually pain, discomfort, or shock uh, that will cause them to move their weight off of you so you can get out. So, while you know, it's the situation in the street is more dynamic. you know and it has different intent than the um uh, uh combat you know the combat sport you know you definitely have there's a benefit to actually know what it's like to be rolling around with somebody but you would never ever do those techniques and finally you know you're on the ground right so we're not on a mat that's it's hard you know you're on the ground you limit your ability to escape You you know skill fitness strength and size play such a huge factor in all of this Uh, exponential. Uh, You know what surface are you lying on? Are you on a you know you're in the woods? You're on sand. You're in the street. You know is there debris? You know you're going to be getting beat up by the ground just as much as you're getting (laughs) getting beat up by the guys on top of you. And finally, they're friends. Right, you know, so you're on the ground, and somebody's, and you look like even you're gonna get an advantage on somebody. Somebody's gonna come up and like place kick your head in the next week. So, you know, when you're on the ground, you know, in the street, you know, trying to get off of it as quickly as possible. Or if you're tired, there may be an instance where you would lock in just to catch your breath and oh, and pull them into you and stay covered, you know, because that's a That's a reality, too. I mean, people don't realize when the SNS activation hits, you know, that sympathetic nervous system and your adrenaline hits, it saps your body of, well, a lot of juice, man. And it goes fast, right? And if you're not, you know, inoculated against this, you know, and if you're not training in... The reality is that I've got a very short window that I'm going to be able to do something before I got a reboot. Then you're going to run into problems. And that's where we get into difference between intent of what we do in the street and intent of what we do in combat sports. Because combat sports, there's not – te- there's really – the sense of urgency is so minimal compared to what you face in the street. You know, combat sports, you can hang out, you can wait, you bide your time, you can, you know, wait for an opening, wait for them to, you know, expose themselves. You do not have time for that in the street. Zero. So there's these underlying habits that are bad that get created in training in that way. You know, you're training to wait, you're training to look for subtle openings. And while you may think, oh, well, we do some, you know, training is habits, right? And part of your habit is your intent and your urgency. It's like how you do things, as you know, in addition to what you do. So, while some places may teach, oh, yeah, we do self defense, you know, we do dirty jujitsu or dirty judo or whatever you want to call it, we add these, you know, cheaters like an eye gouge or a bite or strike to a judo or jujitsu technique. You know, unless you're really training that, and that's your primary focus, when you're under stress, you're going to go back to what you normally do all the time, and that's the combat sport. And don't get me wrong, you know, it will be, you know, a, um, you know, you can win fights with combat sports, but Mm. the reality is you're exposing yourself, and you're putting yourself in situations that they are technically not really efficient. There's a lot easier ways to get out from under from somebody. There's a lot easier ways to end a fight or to escape than you know. If I'm you know, shit. I mean, if I gouge an eye, is that to get them off of me? Is that easier than doing a guard pass? Oh yeah, a lot. Mm -hmm. Right. So you know, there's it's you know you've got to train the right habits for the right application. And when you're under stress, you don't know what's gonna come out of you.
0: Yeah, I think there's a good progression here for this also, right? Like I think it that um. Because you have, I don't care if it's Taekwondo, right? Like you're down there with the right. eight year olds down at the mcdojo, and and you know the moms are sitting there, you know, reading a book or, or on their phone right. the whole time. It's like that's right. better than nothing, right? At least you're getting some sort of like your mind's at least in fight mode, even if it's point like whatever it is, it's better than nothing. And hundred percent, yes, yes, going into something that's more, you know, that's a better quality or something that's. Will better prepare you for the reality of the street than like Taekwondo. I mean, something to like jump
1: in. You know? Yeah, the, at least, you know, what it does, it does, it, it does two very good things. One, it, um, it increases your awareness and, like you say, gets you thinking about it. And two, if you are confronted or reacted, at least you're going to react and fight back. And what people don't understand, and this is another misconception about self defense brought on by the martial arts, is that they think that every fight is a title fight right? They think that, okay, this guy's coming to attack me. He's going to give his life or do whatever he can to rape me or take my wallet or, you know, take my car, whatever whatever it is. And the truth is, in most cases, it's not the case, right? We talk about, you know, things that, you know, the risk versus reward, right? So, you know, they, a criminal, you know, or the three things every criminal fears: being caught, being injured, being identified, right? So, you know, they're doing a cost-benefit analysis and they're picking you, especially in a bullying or a criminal, situ- or criminal uh, situation, which is the majority of what you're going to uh, face out there. They're picking you because they think they can impose their will over you with the least amount of resistance. They're expecting some resistance or some reaction, but they're not picking you thinking they're going to fight. You know, it's going to be a, a knock-down, drag-out fight. They're picking you because they want you to roll over it's like the lion and the gazelle right i mean the gazelle could never ever 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 beat a lion straight up one-on-one but gazelles escape from lions all the time you know and that's where you know our self-defense you know mindset begins um and especially you know if you're you know uh if you carry a firearm you know you've got to be also hyper aware yeah you know, and and maintaining your personal space because, again, any altercation you get into becomes a weapon retention scenario. So, you know, I think that a lot of people too, um, especially that carry, that ignore, you know, they think they got the self-defense box covered. And the fact is, you know, most altercations start, you don't know. You know, and this is the other thing when we talk about consensual. We talk about time and place of of martial arts sporting events. I know that if I'm in a tournament, I'm going to fight that day. Right? So, you know, I prepare, I go, I get ready, you know, I train, you know, and if I'm, you know, injured, if I'm not injured and I'm okay to fight, I fight. And I know when I'm going to fight because I call my name and you stand up and you say go. Um, I can always think of the, um, I remember the movie, the original Lake Placid with Oliver Platt and he's fighting the sheriff and the sheriff is like, just punches him in the face and he's like, wait, you didn't say go. It's like, in martial arts, they always told us to say go. Yeah. While we laugh at that and it's true, it's missing a huge component of what happens in the real world is that you don't know, right? You're faced with a threat. I don't know if this person's coming at me because they're lost. Uh, they need my help. I mean, they're going to appear to be in stress and needing, they have a reason to, to get into your personal space. So, You don't know yet, and by the time, and when they do, when something does actually happen, now you've got what we call the oh shit moment, where your body is kind of like, everything's activating, and you're like, okay, now this is really happening, and I have to do it, and the problem with that is, you know, if you're up against somebody who really knows what they're doing, that's what they need, and that's all they need, because, you know, whatever that first attack is, there's going to be a barrage of attacks after that, And then you're going to be in over your head real, real quick. And that's why when we get back to martial arts training and the attack counter specific defense scenario, it just doesn't work because you're training to wait. And that is awful, awful habit. You're training to let's even the mere fact that you, okay, what happens in martial arts class? Okay, we line up to do self-defense, right? And then you get with your partner and they're like, okay, you're the attacker. I'm the, you know, you're the, I, I'm the defender, you know, Uki Tori. Okay, good. Go. Okay, attack. Okay, great. Then, you know, and we do all that stuff. And it looks great. and It's cool. You know, that eliminates pretty much the majority of what, you know, self-defense. You know what I mean? You're just already assuming he's going to attack me. I'm already assuming how he's going to attack me. I'm already, you know, I already know. It's happening. It's happening now. This is how he's going to do it. I'm going to win. He's going to lose. Even if he does, even if it appears random, it's not because you're training and you've all choreographed these techniques. Right? It's like we, so even if it looks like, you know, we used to think shark bait, right? Guy in the middle, girl in the middle, and guys would come from all over the place and attack them randomly. It's not really random. Okay? All these people are expecting to lose and all these people are attacking in ways that they know you're going to recognize as soon as they come in. So yeah. in the real world, it's, you don't know. There's such a gray area that, you know, is this personal problem? Am I going to have to do something? And if I'm not thinking and planning, you know, we talk about, you know, getting yourself at the position of advantage, right? Where you're, you know, setting yourself, you know, far enough away from your target so that if they have to actually hit you, they got to shift their weight. And it's at that, moment when they move after you establish your distance, you know, you go. I mean, if somebody comes up to you and says, hey, Jeff, you know, you got a cigarette or hey, sir, you got a cigarette? They obviously wouldn't know your name. So they'd be like, hey, you got a cigarette? (laughs) And you're like, no, I don't smoke. And then you walk away and they continue to follow you. Well, now you've got a problem. So and you got to recognize that because now whatever they originally asked you for and they're not getting, well, then why are you here still, right? So, and I think that's, these are the tactics you got to start with first.
0: So, so you've started to really kind of lay things out as far as like, you've obviously illustrated a lot of the differences between like reality and martial arts and combative sports and things like that. So, but even people that are like, so what I'm trying to do is kind of reeducate people on maybe if you're already of the mindset to be self-protected, right? Cause that's part of our, what we build in, like your lifestyle, you have to de- depend on you. Nobody else is going to be there to, to save you. And so with these contrasts and everything, and somebody's really looking to um, they're on this path. They're, they're looking to check that box. They want to be self-protected. What's the best framework um, for unarmed self-defense skills that you think people should really start with at the very foundation, no matter what they're doing right now or not doing right now, like what's the best framework they should look at to make sure that they are on the right path to truly being protected? Not just in their in their mind being overconfident about it because they, they took the wrong path. But how do you recommend people approach self defense in uh in 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 their training?
1: Well tactics always come first so even if you're a even if you're already doing boxing karate whatever i mean to us the techniques are secondary but we base them on the premise of least amount of physical contact most amount uh you know biggest amount of bang for your buck right so if i could hit somebody with a you know predator drone you know great i'd take that over any day so you know We break it down into three levels of self defense Uh, awareness and avoidance, then it is one, escape and evasion is two, and control and domination is three. So, awareness and avoidance is literally how you interact with your environment. Right? You're looking, you know, you're paying attention, are you, you know, walking too close to areas of potential ambush, how are you presenting yourself to the world, you know, are you well kept and put together, are you, you know, is your head down, is your, you know, I mean, all these factors that go in when, you know, a criminal or a bully or, you know, before any altercation, there's always a size up, right? And the size up is like, okay, you know, can I get something, does that person have something I want and can I get it from them with little or no risk to me? Period. So they don't jump out in a puff of smoke, right? They don't drop from the ceiling necessarily. They are paying attention and watching you and seeing if you're alone, right? They're seeing if, uh, you know, they can, you know, and in order to impose their will on you, only one of two things can happen. They approach you or you approach them. Right? So, you know, they're coming in and they're going to, How they approach you, they may you know, use the environment like behind a car or a van. And then you walk past and then they're in their space and then they're going to have a dodge. They're going to ask you a question. They're going to get you, you know, they're going to start testing you to see if they can get something from you. Maybe it's just change. Maybe it's smoke. Maybe they need directions. Maybe they need anything. And then it'll be more and more and more and they see how compliant you are. Right? And then they'll start to try to get, hey, give me a few bucks. Hey, you got more than that. You got more than that. And then it's now you're into it. And as soon as you're walked in and sucked into that, you know, now you're on their game. They choose the time and place, not you, right? So they're picking that place for a reason, right? And, and And the threat is never as apparent as you think it is. You think it may be one guy. That one guy may be armed, but he's not using a weapon right now. You know, if he strong arms you, that's, you know, he faces less jail time. Right, so the first, the option, so he may just be that. Ah, fuck, I'll keep my, i keep a firearm or I'll keep my, I keep my my knife wherever, and I won't, you know, won't take it out yet. Or he could have friends, right? That are you're not going to see. Okay, they're going to come up, you know, you know that those are the ones that are more dangerous because this guy's just distracting, right? So, you know, even just if you maintain your space and keep moving, you know, that eliminates a lot. It
0: mm-hmm.
1: eliminates a lot.
0: Right. So, yeah, then, and so that makes a, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, also, I think that because um, you're because you're talking about the mindset first. Right. Which I think. Right. Really weaves into everything that we've been saying. In fact, it's the very it's it actually serves as kind of like the main vein of this entire show, which is like self-defense lies that are out there. Like it's the mindset of what you believe will really work. Right. right. And and having confidence which is a total mental game. You're talking about the sympathetic nervous system, the things that will affect our thinking, affect our brain, affect affect our mindset. Um, you, you talked about how at least somebody in a martial arts program has the wherewithal, like they're already used to fighting back at something, and that that makes a big difference even in just – in thwarting the plan of, of, of the bad guys that are out there. So it's interesting. I mean, it's great that you've made this like that first level of those three levels of avoidance and awareness. Cause I think a lot of people, a lot of places that teach physical martial arts don't really train any of that stuff, right? They don't, they're not teaching right. you how to, you know, I wrote down some of the notes that you said, like, you know, out there projecting confidence Are you, do you look put together or not? Um, how that even makes a difference, right? How it, how right. criminals size people up. How do they approach? How do they find their way to get close enough to be able to make you a victim? So it makes um, and and also the avoidance part of it, like you know, don't want to get into a fight with a biker gang. Well, you know, first step, don't go drinking in the biker bars, right? Like all there's all that stuff, right? So avoiding things, but. You can right. also avoid it by being aware of your surroundings, and I think people, too many people, give lip service to those sorts of things. They just either think they're already aware, or yeah, it, it's just not as sexy as you know, pile driving somebody with your elbow. I guess,
1: uh, of course, but right? Y- I mean, how many people are on their phones, right? And I'm yeah, of exactly, charged, right, right. Yeah, I mean, that's you're, the you're, easiest you're one you're thing. Into your shit, and
0: yeah, 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 yeah. So, so this next layer, though, that's what I'm, I'm curious. Like going up the, the scale here, so the. the next you say that people should understand that those self-defense concepts of escape and evasion. And I think that right. would, people would find that kind of shocking. Like, what does that even mean? Because it sounds like something out of a spy novel, right? Or some, like it's, that's reserved for special ops personnel, some special <laughs> training there. But from your perspective, what do you, what do you mean by like escape and evasion? And, and what are the major takeaways that you think people should be getting from that in relation to self-defense?
1: If somebody attacks you, right, and you resist, you don't necessarily have to um, engage in mortal combat with them. You can just do something where they just stop as soon as it, all you need to do is create space for you to get away, right? If they, if you can if you can get away from them, if they can, if they don't have their hands on you, right? If they, even if they had a weapon pointed at you and you ran, I mean, you know, it's a hard shot <laughs> to, to, hmm. to, to pull off. Somebody running away under stress. And even if you do get hit, you know, the chances of getting hit in a fatal area or technically kind of even feeling it are very minimal. So you got to look at what your, you know, what are the percentages if it's, you know, I mean, I heard, you know, anywhere from less than like 2% or 10% got shot at if somebody, you know, pulled a weapon on them and you just ran. So, okay, even if it's 50%, if it's 50-50, I'll survive. Would you take it? Right, if it's 50-50 again, when you get hit, if you get hit, that you'll survive. Would you take it? Right. So you know the odds start. You know they, they start to the odds start to pile up in your favor as soon as you're trying to get the hell away from this person. Um, also, they may find like you know if you come in like let's say somebody's, I mean not even you know I will mention that you know like something like carrying like something like pepper spray is kind of a no-brainer. Uh, you know I carry it all the time. You know, so if you do, you should have a layered approach to your self-defense. Uh, if you don't have pepper spray on you, then, like, think something like a finger dart to the eye. And it's not really going to, you know, get them. You're not going to blind them, but so you're going to get their stopper, head off yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're just going to get them to pause. And you get them to pause, you get the hell away, right? Mm-hmm. You, a whip, you know, a little whip kick, a little a like front kick, front kick. Just keeping your body weight out of it. And just getting them to stop and then making them realize, oh, this person's fighting back. They do a quick recalculation, right? And if it's worth it, then, you know, not. But most times, while they're doing it, you're gone. You're gone. You know, and again, most of the times that people are going to be attacked, they're going to be alone. I mean, that's overwhelming majority of people who are attacked are alone. All right? So, you know... um, so again, that is and that is as simple as it is. You know, it's getting somebody to pause their attack long enough, and we're talking split seconds for you to get the hell out of there and create more space. Period. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think it's I mean, I think it's an interesting escalation that you that you build into the framework there, right? So avoidance and awareness, let's get the mind right first, which is you know something we talk with people a lot about also. You gotta get your mindset right first. And then um, escape and evasion. So before you start just wailing away on somebody, like, can you just get out of the area? You weren't maybe you weren't able to avoid it, maybe you weren't aware of it, maybe they were just they were just able to be able to get close enough, and you just didn't even see right. them or whatever. But now, um, can you can you disengage from there and and making that a priority rather than standing there and fighting? And then your your third level there. Um, which i i think was a uh, control and domination was what uh, i've seen from from your training and stuff which i know is a huge category right like when you start getting into the physical stuff of course there's a lot to unpack there right but um right <laughs> but um i think that i also think this is where most people actually gravitate to and right. that's why there is so much confusion because like what system works better what technique works better yeah, should you even do this so so, in your system, how do you approach the tactical aspect of your self defense training? And maybe give our listeners a, an idea of, of the difference between an effective strategy versus maybe a more common but ineffective strategy.
1: Well, one is that, um, I mean, our tactics and technique, you know, the tactics always come first and they permeate everything we do. So, again, like I said before, whatever gives you the tactical advantage of the time you know, you take it, right? So if something's in your mouth, you bite it. If something's, if there's an eye on your face, you gouge it, What, whatever. So, I mean, the control and domination is what you see in combat sports. It's what you see in martial arts. I mean, this is what everybody, you know, envisions when somebody messes with them. Well, I'm just going to make them look silly and make them flop around and, you know, throw them over my head or do whatever stuff. But the reality of that it uh, takes a lot of training takes a lot of strength takes a lot of you know discipline and time so the longer you get down there and because now you're you're getting into situations where you know size strength and skill start to matter more now there's a ladder of techniques that you know that would be used you know from anywhere from Striking is one. Uh, again, this is we're talking about least amount of physical contact, more bang for your buck. Uh, then there would be gouges, bites, um, and then under that would actually be grappling and holds. Because you know, again, the more body weight you're you're you know you're committed to, the more vulnerable you are. So um, when we're doing this, I mean, there's a, there's a couple components to this. You know, we always talk about. Um, controlling the pillars of self-defense right which is um position and distance and momentum and balance so position and distance is really where you are in relation to your opponent your target whether you could be standing he could be you know either far enough away where you know you'd be like where you would shift his weight, you know to hit you he could be in your range or grappling right and then he could be either in front of you left of you right of you uh, back of you, um, on the ground, there's really either one of you's on the top, one of you's on the bottom, and then there's like guard, half guard, side mount, you know, that's, and then there's finally the other position is one of you standing and one of you's on the ground and he's either close to you or f- far enough away to kick you or close enough to stop you, right? So, you know, those are all the positions and distances any situation could be in. So now that you're in position and distance, you know, what you're going to do is use techniques that will cause the most damage to him, least damage to you. You're going to strike with side of the fist, edge of the hand, heel of the hand, elbow, form, things like that. Uh, one of the things we like to, you know, we, we talk about when we're on our feet is very important is the forward drive. I mean, there really is no momentum on the ground because you're both on the ground, right? I mean, you can get momentum to get his weight off you and get out. But when we're talking about momentum on your feet, that means, you know, we're talking about the forward drive. So
0: Yeah, I think this is where... Yeah, I was just going to say, like, I think this is where I've seen um, a stark contrast with what you teach and I think a lot of other systems out there because they're, Yeah, I think a lot of systems trade techniques back and forth, right? Or there's yes, a specific no. counter for anything. And so I think, you know, where I really, um, when I started really getting into your training years and years and years ago, um, that's what made the most sense to me, like, it, because it it's permeated by your willpower it's permeated by your mindset it's permeated by this i'm going to rip this guy's head off like it starts with that versus what technique do i use what techniques is he through in the throw how do i counter it and i think that um because footwork is i think what is it it's like the first thing you learn right in a martial arts school right like here stand right. like this put this foot here put this foot there and i right. think that your um Yours and Carl's especially, I mean, because this is going back years, you guys yeah. have been using this, but I think that forward yep. momentum and the drop step are, and that drive are, I think it's a really good example of everything we've been talking about, the difference in, well, like a martial arts footwork would be and versus maybe even combat sports. But I think if you could go deeper into helping people understand how other systems might look at, at footwork, but then right. give them really something to chew on with the power of the forward momentum, the forward drive, and the drop step the way that you teach it. Okay.
1: So the drop step we talk about, uh, you use that when you're uh, facing a potential threat. And the way that it's set up and the way you distribute your um, your body weight is that most of your weight is on your front foot. This is open, only an opening technique. Because the problem is once you engage with somebody, right, and he makes that, let's say he's you said you know you establish distance. You're at the position of advantage. He st- He moves towards you. Now you got to go, right? So, what we want to be able to accomplish, what the drop step accomplishes, it allows you to get the most body weight and power you can in your technique without telegraphing it or winding up, right? So you don't want to raise your hand up. You don't want You just want to go wherever your hand is and just bang and just go into it. And that's like the last time, and you'll do the drop step for the day. Right, I'm like you're doing it once. It's an opening technique. It gets you going from that statics position to a dynamic, you know, movement. And all you got to do is literally lift your foot up and drop into it, and then make sure you're trying to, you know, hit your target before your foot fully hits the ground. Right. So now your footwork as you move because again you're outside, you're not on a mat, right? You can't slide, you can't shuffle. You know, you are just doing stomping footwork. So your feet, every, every step down is a, a foot stomp. Every knee up is, is basically a knee strike. So when you're moving and you're taking ground, your legs are gonna get entangled, right? So you're gonna be, you know, a knee may catch his knee, may catch his inner thigh. It's gonna disrupt his balance. Right? So, and your foot coming down is going to step on an instep. It also could step on a bottle. It could also step off a curb. It could also step on a rock. So, you know, you need to account for these things. And when you're going, you don't want to slip. What if you're on ice? How would you walk on ice? You know, you would pick your feet up and stomp down to make sure that that foot is planted in the ground. So, finally, you combine that with the forward drive, and you're, you're really just only trying to be where he's standing. So what happens is, is now you're because you're moving forward, you've got momentum. Okay, you're now because you know force and velocity. You know mass is velocity uh, times force. Right? Yeah, Now so force is mass times velocity. So now did I get that right? Forces mass. I'm not, not Einstein. <laughs> All right. Well, that's yeah. right. Yeah, you know, that's what my head going. Yeah. Uh, that's what I need to be. Uh, so that's what that's what I'm saying right now. So you know, you've got your mass is constant, right? The only thing you can change to make yourself bigger is to move forward. So you're constantly moving forward and driving. And you see when you train on the dummy, you know, uh, because or I mean, with a partner, you're gonna need something to hit, right? We're always training something to hit. It's very important. You got to hit. Hundred percent, in order to develop real power and confidence. So you're training, and you hit, and you're hitting that target. You're you're gonna all of a sudden you're gonna if you feel on the other side of it. As soon as they're moving towards you, they're literally like running you over, and you're hacking. The other thing that it does is when your target's off balance, they can't counterattack. You know, there's. I like to say there's two people in a fight. Person getting hit and the other one getting hit. <laughs> you know, it's like there's only one attacker, and one defender. Right? Now as and then you don't stop. It is relentless. You do not stop until your the threat is no longer. You're not pausing and feigning and doing any of that. If he covers, you're just gonna hack through move his hand and and blast him. You're continuing moving. Even if you Get in his range and you run into him with your shoulder or something. Great. It doesn't matter because you're constantly pushing them and moving them off balance. Even if they had a weapon on them, you know, the reality of like planting your feet and trying to stab something. Yeah. If your feet aren't planted, yeah, yeah, you may cut whatever you're trying to stab, but you know, it's not, you know, it's going to be very difficult to go through your rib cage, very difficult to, um, you know, uh, to cause any real real, real damage other than something that would be superficial, even if somebody had a firearm and you're pushing somebody and they 're trying to aim and you know your firearm so you know everything's less effective when you are not when you're off balance so that you know the drop step gets you moving from you know uh, 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 stationary to to mo- to dynamic. The forward drive and the footwork is stopping and creating, you know, hey, you know, keeping your balance and creating havoc on the ground. And then that forward drive is just keeping them off balance, keeping them off balance. I mean, that's the one thing, you know, that, you know, martial arts and especially having the Taekwondo black belt is kicking. You know, there's not a lot of kicking in, in the street. You know, unless you're opening up to close distance on somebody or disrupting them with a shin kick, the only time you're really kicking somebody is when they're on the ground, mainly because your feet are going to be used to maintain your balance. Like you, Jeff, you brought up before. I mean, guys like getting close to each other, you're running through somebody, you know, to sit there and kick, it just isn't, you know, it's just not something your your body's is going to be available to you. So while we do some kicks um they're always you know very low and they're either at the beginning or the end of the um of the combination of the you know the the combination set uh they're not you know we're not like tap tap you know sidekick it's you know it's go and it's funny i always like to compare you know what we do is like more like a drag race okay the other shit is like nascar and formula one right we're just we're just going in pedal to the metal Get down to you know, get to the finish as fast as possible. While these other guys are like jockeying for position, you know, they may look, some stuff may look similar. Well, it's a car; it's got four wheels. You know, it's got a good driver. But at the end of the day, it's like, no, this is doing one thing, and this is doing something completely different.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a really good analogy of it too. I think right, um, and I think it makes it what it, it's what allows I think the uh, the average the average warrior out there to to um, to really keep the bad guys guessing, right? Like you don't have to look like a badass. You don't have to look like a, like a special forces or a Navy SEAL soldier. You, you, it's about really just having being able to walk with that confidence that you know what to do. And that's what I like about your training and in the, in the way that you progress these things also, is because you start with mindset, you permeate my mindset throughout the entire thing. And then the techniques that you're developing are really focusing in on the realities that you talk about, About let's assume they're bigger, let's assume they're stronger, let's assume they're armed, let's assume that there's there's friends that are gonna jump in there. Like you can't like that sets a really good benchmark for what you would call self-defense training. Because those are the dynamics that most likely you are going to have to deal with. Criminals aren't stupid. I mean, if it's you know, if it's your drunk ass buddy or Uncle Albert at the, the family picnic or whatever, it's something different, right? But but if you are targeted by somebody and they come after you. You have to assume like they don't know what they're getting into either. They're going to try and size you up the best they can, but they're they're most likely going to be armed, or there might be somebody else there. They don't want a fair fight, and so you shouldn't start at fair fight mode, which was, is what a lot of martial arts are. They're they're sizing things up. It's built in. Exactly right. It's built in. So so I really like that, and I like the um, how you form the foundation with the physical techniques. That bring in the mindset, the forward drive, the aggressiveness, the brutality, the the what you need to get it done, um, and then you just you apply the techniques, the strikes, the whatever it is, you apply that to that momentum drive. You're just building on top of, on top of, on top of, and I and I love that the way that that gets layered into all the training that you have. Um, listen, everybody, this is, uh, we could go on and on like this. And I, and one of the things I really like about all of Damien's DVDs and everything over the years has been that you're getting a lot of these concepts behind it. It's not like you're, you're getting a DVD or you're watching online training. Uh, Cause I know, I know Damien, you have a lot of like online courses and you engage with your community a lot. You've got a very active uh, community out there that follows your work. And so when you're watching these things, it can, there can oftentimes be a disconnect with people. I think that when you're when you're just learning a technique, it can sometimes be where they're just watching it and you think that you're learning that technique. What I love about your stuff is that you really go into the the foundational, not just the mindset, but like why these things are important. And and for us with our neurotechnical programming, what we would talk about is one of the elements of learning and being able to really program these things into your response is to create you have to create this little vacuum in your brain and by you giving the this is why you do it this way or this is what to expect and here is how you how you face it it provides the the brain with the glue that it needs to be able to make it part of your understanding. You don't just do the technique. You understand the technique. You understand how to apply that to the other foundational stuff that, that you're talking about. So I love all the, the – um, all the content that goes in with all the techniques that you're also doing all, all this stuff with and training with. So uh, I, I love your stuff, man. And, and uh, listen, everybody, go check out go check out more of, uh, of Damien's things. It really is different. Like I love the foundation of it all. It's it's built on everything that we just talked about. If it really resonates with you, which it should, and we're talking about reality versus martial and, and, and sport stuff. So definitely go check it out over at his website at streetdefensetraining.com. He's got a, several different pro- programs over there. He's got a blog. He's got a, a bunch of things you can you can do over there. But definitely go over to streetdefensetraining.com and uh, start to dip your toes in there. I think you're going to find it very refreshingly different, very reality-based, and it's going to help you check that box, become self-protected in a very, very short time frame. So go check that out now. And until our next broadcast, is Jeff Anderson, Live Like a Warrior. Train. Survive.